We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The Chicago Bears select... Welcome to Picks for Polls, presented by The Bear Report. Your number one source for everything Chicago Bears draft news, analysis, scouting reports, and more. Presented by Blue Wire Pods. And now, making their way to the podium, Andrew Freeman and Usaid Koshal. Welcome, Bears fans, to Picks for Polls, a Chicago Bears draft podcast presented by the Bear Report and Blue Wire Pods. My name is Andrew Freeman, and of course, I'm happy to be joined by my co-host, who's back this week, uh, Yusei Koshal. Glad to have him back for this week. Um, and we have a lot, a lot to talk about today, Yusei. Um, we took a week off uh, this past week, um, but we're getting right back into it here. And I'll start with you, Yusei. How are you doing today, man? You know, I'm doing well, actually bursting with joy because I am so excited to be back on this show. I was gone for a couple of weeks, just had a couple of things going on that I needed to go ahead and take care of. But it's it's crazy, right? Because you and I, this is the third NFL draft cycle that we've wrapped up doing this podcast. And it's crazy how we went from literally talking about, you know, what the Bears need to do at the end of 2020 to Justin Fields to covering his rookie season to the first time that this team's had a first-round pick under the Ryan Poles, Matt Eberflus era. So it's we've been through on this show a lot. And I just want to say, you know, as we wrap up our, like, third or fourth NFL draft class, like, thank you to all of our listeners for just how much you guys have – supported us over the last couple of years and you know you I always say this but it's just like you if you thought this past year was fun I mean next year we're looking forward to 2024 it's going to be even more fun but first we have to focus on the present and discuss 2023 yeah I can't can't look too far ahead you know even though we want to I, I think for our for especially for this podcast here we're always looking far ahead when it comes to the draft and stuff but like you said, we got we got to keep an eye on the present, and I'll agree with your sentiments there. Like we wouldn't be here without all of our listeners here and all of our fans of this show. So it's always fun putting together these these uh, podcasts with you, man, and uh, ready to talk about this draft class even more. So, but also some Bears news going on here um, over the past couple of weeks in the off season, and um, I think you know one of the little storylines that, that we kind of got here. Um, 
was talking about, you know, Ryan Poles had that quote where I, I don't know where he was interviewing with or, or who with, um, but there's a little quote from Ryan Poles, general manager for the Bears, you know, mentioning, you know, how the Bears, this past draft, you know, it didn't fall their way in terms of getting an edge rusher. And edge is a huge need for this Bears team. Um, and, you know, Ryan Poles kind of mentioned that they're monitoring the edge market right now, looking for some options, um, both in the free agent pool and the trade pool. Um, you know, before we get to the subject of today's episode, you say anything you think um, that he could be alluding to there in terms of some names, some options there. And what do you make of the edge situation right now since the Bears didn't address that um, in this last draft? Going into the offseason, I had edge rusher as need 1B outside of finding an offensive tackle, which we'll get into that a little bit later in the show. But ultimately, I mean, the Bears are in a situation where, cool, you addressed your defensive line with a handful of draft picks as well as free agent signings. You added some youth and veteran presence to the D-line room, but it's still not even a front seven or even a front four that remotely scares me by any means. If I am an opposing offensive lineman, if I'm an opposing offensive coordinator, because I mean, if we're going to be honest, the bears do not have that game changer in the defensive line that this team just absolutely needs. You can say what you want about the new guys that they brought in this off season, but until you find someone who's going to get after the quarterback, which again is going to open up opportunities for whoever is going to start at the three technique position, you are in a situation where your defense is missing an entirely new element. Looking at where this team could bring in guys like look the trade market let's just be real the bears are not going to go ahead and trade for an edge rusher because that's just going to require a big time contract and quite frankly this is the type of team where they've got to extend so many of their own guys as well as look down the road as to what next year could hold in terms of contract extensions i don't think the trade market is a realistic possibility to land a dynamic game changer if you're looking at giving up you know a mid-round pick, that's just more of a low-risk, high-reward type of move that you make. In terms of guys on the free agent market, Yannick Ngakwe, again, a solid veteran, not really a guy who would significantly upgrade the room. He's more of those one-year deal type guys. Leonard Floyd's the one name that comes to mind, and it's only because he's a great athlete. And the last regime didn't utilize him properly, but he seemed to have found his footing in the NFL with the LA Rams. Frank Clark, again, a guy who has been linked, Frank Clark and Justin Houston, they've both been linked to Ryan Pulse and Matt Eberflus, but that would just be kind of more so a one-year veteran-type deal until we can figure this thing out in the long run. Yeah, I, I think, you know, the Bears, when you look at this defensive line right now, you know, they added two defensive tackles, really three defensive tackles, I should say, in the draft. You look at Jervon Dexter, um, you look at uh, Zach Pickens, and then Travis Bell in the seventh round. Um, and, you know, those are nice additions to make to the interior group, but the edge group is, you know, it leaves a lot to be desired. And just a preview for uh, look ahead to this podcast today, we're going to be talking about um, those guys that the Bears drafted in, in the interior and kind of setting expectations for the rookies as a whole. But back to the topic at hand, yeah, the edge rusher group is uh, it's interesting because you know, <laughs> you know they're, they they have you know some guys that you, you think could be contributors. When you look at Tra- Travis Gibson, who you know who's been a who has shown that he can be a rotational guy in the past. Um, I look at 
Demarcus Walker, the guy they signed in the offseason, Rasheem Green, two veterans who, you know, versatile guys who can, you know, play on the outside on rundowns and then kick inside the rush passer from the inside. You know, those are all solid depth additions, but none of those guys that I mentioned are, you know, difference makers or guys you look at as long-term starters for you. So they have to add some talent. I, I would say that in the trade market, you know, Chase Young is probably the biggest name to look out for because it looks like, you know, the Washington commanders, they declined his fifth year option. It doesn't look like he's going to be a long-term piece for them after they just handed out a huge you know, bunch of money to Deron Payne. They still have Montez Sweat to, to sign to an extension. Um, so it, it looks like he's like the odd man out in that, in that defensive line. Um, so he's probably the big name. You know, the, the one thing for him is that like, what's the compensation for him as a former, you know, top pick, uh, a guy who's hyped up as one of the best edge rusher cl- uh, pass, uh, prospects over the last decade or so. When you look back at his track record at Ohio State, hasn't really put it all together in the NFL. Um, you know, hasn't been a productive pass rusher as of yet. Um, he's struggled with injuries. So what would be the compensation for a guy like that going to the final year of his rookie contract? Uh, I look at some other smaller options like Carl Lawson, a guy in the Jets who, you know, they they just drafted an edge rusher and Will McDonald in the first round. They drafted a first round edge rusher last year. So maybe they could look to move him since, you know, they had to clear some cap space with Aaron Rodgers trade going through um, and, and try to save some cap space there. Um, that could be an option. I look at Bryce Huff on the Jets as well. Another guy who um, has a lot of juice off the edge, but he's maybe not an ideal fit in a four, three defensive scheme because he's not a great run defender. doesn't really have a lot of size. Um, but, you know, in terms of some free agents, like you mentioned a couple that I think would make a lot of sense. Like Yannick Ngakwe, if they're just looking for a pass rusher specialist on third downs, like he's the guy you get, you put him in a wide nine, have him rush the rush to pass around the edge uh, as a speed guy, you know, bend around the corner. He's the prototypical fit for that. I think Frank Clark would make some sense because of Ryan Pohl's connection to him from Kansas City. Um, and then Justin Houston, he has connections both with Ryan Pohl's and Matt Eberflus because, you know, Ryan, Ryan Pohl's had him in Kansas City. I think I think Ryan Pohl's there to draft Justin Houston, I think, in 2012, 2013, somewhere around that time, I think it was. So definitely familiar with him there. And then Matt Eberflus had him in Indianapolis for a couple of years, and he was productive for them. Um, a veteran guy who probably wouldn't be signed until late, into the process. Like I'm, I'm pretty sure he wants nothing to do with training camp at this stage of his career. So if they were to go with Justin Houston, like that wouldn't be for a while until the season starts, but I, I, I could see him being a lot of, making a lot of sense because he would add a veteran presence to uh, the, this defensive line group and would certainly be an upgrade there. And the bears, guess what? They have like $30 million in cap space. So they could still realistically spend a lot of money on a veteran, even overpay for a guy in like a one-year deal if they want to, you know, lock down a guy for a season. So um, money's not the issue there. It's, it's whether, you know, they can convince a guy to come here into a team that's kind of a rebuilding project right now. It's in the second year of a rebuild, you know, can they convince a guy to come here and, and join this young team and be that veteran presence in the locker room? You know, that's something to definitely keep an eye on here. And speaking of, you know, a young team going to a rebuild, uh, you know, one of the biggest news drops that we got over the last week or so was uh, the Bears dropping their schedule across the NFL. The, the NFL's uh, schedule dropped uh, for the upcoming 2023 season. So I, I guess it's time to talk about that a little bit since we didn't have time for that um, in our last podcast here. Um, you know, <laughs> it, it's funny because 
it seems like a lot of these NFL teams now are getting really creative with the schedule releases uh, with like videos and social media and interacting with fans on this. I'll say the chargers once again, killed it with uh, their, uh, their anime inspired uh, schedule drop, which is just fantastic with all the little references that they put and all the little details. But I honestly thought that Tennessee Titans had the best one of all the teams where they basically, they were asking all these NFL, all these like casual fans on uh, downtown Tennessee. I think it was, um, about the logos of the teams and none of the fans knew what the logos were for the teams it's like the most funniest video i think you'll ever see but anyway the bears they had a little bit of fun with theirs as well having a little uh video for their schedule release that i thought was pretty cool with some uh, old chicago bears less legends such as charles tillman you have spice adams on there um yeah, I thought that was really fun. But the Bears schedule releases. Um, there's a lot of interesting games to talk about here. You say I'll, I'll go to you on this for this one. Um, first of all, what were your thoughts on some of the schedule releases that we saw across the NFL, and um, what are some of the games that you're looking forward to on this Bears schedule? I mean, hey, the schedule releases get more fun every single year, and a lot of it is just because that is how teams drive interaction on social media in terms of the more creative you are the more interaction you are going to go ahead and get regarding the bears content creative team i mean huge shout out to them they're all really great people for just how hard they work interacting with some of them at house hall over the nfl draft weekend but yeah the bears have definitely gotten better in terms of schedule releases i know that seth rollins was in it you know he's a big time bears fan the wwe wrestler but yeah schedule releases like i said were so fun and then just getting into the topic of the bear schedule i mean what better way to kind of write a schedule because you're looking at a late buy again in week 13 then you are looking at two mini buys between weeks five and six and then weeks 10 and 11 yet again you've got about 10 total days off there between the two Thursday night games that the Bears are going to be playing and then on top of that right you have some leeway too in terms of like an additional eight or nine days off between the Thanksgiving as well as the one of the four November games at the Bears place there's definitely a lot of you know opportunity for rest here and then no one's even talking about week 15 where the bears are going to be on the road in cleveland and that's a game where they might play on the 16th 17th or 18th which just so happens to be saturday sunday or monday so you're looking at you know a possibility of five six or seven days of rest there so the bears are certainly going to have an opportunity to really rest and recover in a lot of ways you could argue as inconvenient as the two thursday night games are against washington and carolina which the Carolina game on November 9th that's at Soldier Field is a must-win game for the Bears. That The two Thursday night games in terms of the 10 days off in the mini-buy, that's phenomenal for Chicago. When we talk about some of the key matchups that are coming up, I mean, first things first, we have to talk about both the Green Bay games. I mean, the league did this where they have the Bears playing at Lambeau Field in Week 18 for the purpose of if the playoff spot's on the line, you have a Sunday night football game that you know is going to go ahead and break the records because it's going to be Justin Fields versus Jordan Loves and I mean you know viewership records and you kind of look at week one that's an ecstatic way to pass the torch from Aaron Rodgers to Jordan Love for the Bears to really prove Ryan Pohl's statement of hey we're going to take the north we're never going to give it back you know week three is weeks three and four are both great tests for the Bears because you've got Kansas City and the Denver Broncos I mean say what you want about the Broncos 
but Sean Payton's going to make all the difference in the world. So we are going to see a very different Broncos team just because Sean Payton, again, even though he's been out for about a year, still one of the best head coaches across the NFL, in my opinion. We know what the Kansas City Chiefs are. And then, you know, how about that week eight game where you've got Justin Fields versus Justin Herbert? You know, one guy that's fully arrived and is a franchise quarterback versus Justin Fields, who's trying to continue making a uh, case for being the guy for the Bears. And then I think, you know, in terms of the division, right, forget the two Green Bay games. The most intriguing games are easily both the Detroit Lions games in um, late November, early December, both opportunities for the Bears to kind of go ahead and get a little bit of revenge. It's David Montgomery revenge game as well. And then, you know, one game that I've got scheduled that I feel like is going to determine whether or not the Bears have a legitimate shot at the playoffs, which we'll get into that in a couple minutes here is week 16 against Arizona or week 17 against the Atlanta Falcons. Like those are two games you look at and you say, okay, if the bears are in this thing till the very end, it's possible that week 16 or 17, there's a chance that this team is celebrating an NFC North division title. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, absolutely. I, th- I think, you know, you mentioned the rest aspect of it. I think that's a really underrated factor when you look at, um, you know, these schedules because, you know, a lot of rest means that you're having more time to deal with injuries and recover. And that's going to be very helpful for the bears this season as you know, they're, you know, they've added some talent this offseason, but the depth is still not the greatest at a lot of spots. So, you know, having a lot of time to manage injuries is going to be key for them to rest up um, will be important throughout the course of the season. Um, I'll, I'll say this. Um, so before I get to the regular season games, I should note that in the preseason, which I mean, it's a preseason, it's not as important, but a um, little fun thing is uh, before the Indianapolis Colts, they play the Indianapolis Colts in week two of the preseason. They're going to be doing a joint scrimmage practices uh, for the Colts throughout that week. So that should be a lot of fun with the Colts and Bears going up against each other um, in practices for training camp. Um, that'll be a lot of fun. You have Anthony Richardson on the Colts who uh, it would be really fun to get to see him a little bit more up close and personal as he, you know, trying to try to develop him as a quarterback prospect for uh, them as their first round pick. But you look at the regular season games, like I think week one of the season is unique for the bears this season. And then as in that, it'll really set the tone, I think for not only this season, but how the bears Packers rivalry is going to play out for 
the next, I don't know, half decade, decade, whatever you want to call it. Um, I think it's going to be a really a big turning point for both of these franchises, because like you said, like Aaron Rodgers being traded to the New York Jets, it's Jordan Love's time in New York for, or not New York, but in Green Bay for the Packers. Who knows? Maybe they'll trade Jordan Love to the New York Jets in 15 years or so, whenever that comes up, knowing the Green Bay Packers at this point. But, um, you know, Jordan Love, we really don't know what he is. And as much as we want to say as Bears fans that Jordan Love doesn't have it, he ain't it. Like, we truly don't know. Well, you look at his second year, he had that start against Kansas City on the road where he looked like the worst quarterback to ever play football. And then he has that game last season against the Eagles where he comes in for Aaron Rodgers and he looks quite solid. And um, you just don't know what to make out of him. He's an unknown, hasn't played whatsoever. Certainly he had that one-year extension with the Packers, which kind of indicates um, because they didn't give him his fifth-year option, but the one-year deal they do give him, you know, it, it's a little bit lower in terms of total money. It's more of an escalator escalation type of deal where he can earn money based off how he performs, which tells me that even the Packers don't really know what they have in Jordan Love at this point. Like if they were confident that Jordan Love is the guy for them, I think they pick up the fifth year option. And then midway through the season, if he's playing well, they work on an extension long-term, you know, the fact that they offered that kind of one year deal tells me that they weren't willing to give him the full guaranteed on the fifth year option at ninth, probably like around $20 million for that season. They weren't willing to go there, um, but you know they were. They're willing to wait and see and see what he has, which tells me that they don't think he necessarily sucks at this point. But it, he, they're not. It's not guaranteed thing that he's he's going to be their long term guy. So I think week one is going to be really telling: is how good is Jordan Love, and then where is Justin Fields as a prospect in his development? Because through two years, as much as we want to say we don't know much about Jordan Love. You know, as excited as we can be as Bears fans for Justin Fields as, as a player, um, we don't really know as much where he's at as well because he the situation around him, uh, it hasn't been great, and that has kind of impacted his performance, or at least we think it's impacted his performance. So I think it's going to be really telling with upgraded weapons for Justin Fields. How is he going to look with DJ Moore uh, with a full offseason with Chase Claypool in the, off, off, uh, in the offense, um, an upgraded offensive line? Um, second year in the system, how is this all going to look? And I think it's going to be a really exciting game. Uh, I look at week three for me, it's going to be a personal favorite of mine because I'm trying to like, see if I can go to this game. I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to, but um, at Kansas city at Arrowhead, like man, I mean, Arrowhead is one of the best stadiums um, in the, in, in the national football league. They got some of the best barbecue in Kansas city as well for those that like tailgate and just, eat good food in general. So that's one of those things where um, Patrick Mahomes against Justin Fields, Ryan Poles going up against his former team that he worked with for over a decade there. Um, that's going to be a fun one. In my opinion, it's not a game I'm expecting the bears to win, but I think it's going to be a huge test for them um, throughout, you know, for early in the season to see where they're at as a team. It's going to be really tough because the chiefs, I think they're going to be loaded once again this year. Um, and then their first Thursday night game against the Washington commanders. I hope we don't get a repeat of last year where that game was just a slog to get through. It was just a lot of bad offense, like not even good defense in that game. Just, it was just bad offense throughout in that one. Um, so I hope we don't get a repeat of that, but the commander's defense, I, I think it's going to be very good. I will say, um, 
The Panthers facing them on another Thursday night game in week 10. I think it's going to be a, another key one uh, just because you're going up against Bryce Young. So another young quarterback in the NFC, kind of see what he has as, as a quarterback prospect there. You have the Monday night game against Minnesota in week 12, right before their bye week. That's going to be um, a key one because the Minnesota Vikings, I think they're due to hit huge regression this year. Um, and they're going to be in the playoff race, hopefully alongside the bears. Um, but that's a game that I think the bears are going to be able to potentially win as well at Minnesota. And like you said, I think the two Detroit games are going to be key for them um, because Detroit, I think they're going to be the standard of the NFC North this season. Although I don't think there's like going to be a huge difference between all these NFC North things. I, I think all four teams are going to be pretty close to each other this year because Packers are losing Aaron Rodgers. Um, They're going with a little bit of a youth movement right now. The Minnesota Vikings, I have no idea what they're doing. It seems like they're trying to get out of this Kirk Cousins era, but they haven't quite committed to that yet. They've moved on from some veterans this offseason. They've had a couple of wonky drafts, to say the least. Uh, I'm just not sure where the Vikings are as a team, but I think they're due, like I said before, to hit major regression. And the Lions, we all expect them to be the best team in the NFC North, um, but you never know a Jared Goof at quarterback there. So um, it's just one of those things where NFC North is going to be very interesting. So I'm fascinated to see like how they're going to do against these teams in the division, especially Detroit, because they're probably the best team on paper right now, but we just don't know where they're at. And you know, when you look at the Bears, what they've done this offseason, in the free agency, in the trade market, in the draft, you know, they definitely reshaped this roster more in Ryan Poles and Matt Eberflus's vision um, for where they want to take this franchise moving forward. And you look at the schedule right now and the way things are shaping up for them. You know, I'll ask this to you. You say, do the Bears have enough to go from worst to first year? It's, it's a lot to ask for because they, they were three and 14 last year, but we've seen crazier things happen before. So what are your thoughts on that? It is such a tough question to answer, and I just got done making arguments for and against this, writing an entire article, because we all knew going into the offseason that the Bears had improved and that the Bears were going to improve. Now, the question doesn't even become, have the Bears improved? It's legitimately, and it's been this all offseason in my mind, how much have the Bears improved? Because you have a roster that is coming back with some level of continuity, but then you also have a coaching staff, which is coming back with some level of continuity. Your point about Justin Fields, I think, was phenomenal in terms of, yeah, he's been good, but we don't really know if he's ready to fully take that next step. Because let's be honest, I mean, Ryan Poles, Matt Eberflus, they were on public radio and they pretty much said, yeah, we believe in him. He's taking the first step. He's light years ahead of where he needs to be. Ultimately, you know, that's all just coach and GM speak, guys hyping up their own players. For Chicago, the question legitimately becomes this, is there's a handful of games on the schedule where there are tests. You look at weeks three and four, I mean, those are going to be major tests for the Bears. You don't really know what you're going to get from a team like the Las Vegas Raiders, the LA Chargers. From a roster perspective, it is so key to understand that has this team made additions and improvements? Yes, but ultimately those additions and improvements are – ones that need to perform instantly out of the gate. And I'm pointing the finger at guys like Chase Claypool as well as DJ Moore. I am pointing the finger at a guy like Darnell Wright, which, again, you don't have to sit here and 
love the Darnell Wright pick, but you can't bash it either because it was the right decision considering the circumstances that this team was in, despite what you think about Jalen Carter. And then you are also looking at the defense. You have a up-and-coming secondary, which last year was pretty underrated for all the injuries that this team dealt with. You know, with Jalen Johnson as well as Eddie Jackson being lost for the season. This year, Kendall Vildor is going to be gone. And then the big question is on defense. Outside of the defensive line, what exactly is this linebacker core going to look like? You know, we love Tremaine Edmonds. Bears fans have fallen in love with him. TJ Edwards, another really solid guy who has some links to the front office coming over from Philadelphia. The major question is, you know, What's going to happen with Jack Sanborn? Is he going to be outseed by a guy like Noah Sewell? So the Bears have done enough to go from worst to first, but this is such a young roster that you're going to have to give them, I want to say, five to six weeks to really put it all together. Because let's be honest, September football is completely meaningless in a sense that there's just so much sloppy play that goes out there and that's just because in training camp we've seen it i mean teams are going to emphasize scheme and play and all that over basic football fundamentals like hey how to lower your shoulder keep your head on the outside go ahead and tackle wrap a guy up and then you also have the factor in that it's early in the season preseason as good as it is for dress rehearsals I mean preseason is basically glorified scrimmage you basically have to be in a situation where you know you are playing at full speed which again is what happens as soon as the regular season comes around unfortunately the way you have to understand is that a lot of the newer pieces that are going to be starting for Chicago this year they have not played together at full speed so there's going to be this mass adjustment period that exists now if we are looking at expectations for this team, I think best case scenario is that this team's going into the buying week 13 for a wild card spot, at least somewhere in the NFC. So they're in the hunt. Another best case scenario is that week 14, 15, 16 rolls around and we're talking about the Bears and what the magic number is in terms of clinching the NFC North. The worst case scenario, though, is that Thanksgiving rolls around and instead of talking about a potential being in the hunt or division title, what we are going to go ahead and do is have conversations about what the Bears should be doing with their two first-round picks in 2024. Like That's the worst-case scenario that this team needs to avoid. Otherwise, it is going to bring into question what the hell is going on with this coaching staff. Is this coaching staff not developing players properly the bears went ahead and signed slash acquired this guy so and so has not panned out you know what exactly is the front office doing was ryan pulls too patient so if this thing goes south for the bears quickly there's going to be a hell of a lot of questions and more questions than answers whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance that's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website 
are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Yeah, I, I think when I look at the schedule right now, like I can see like a low end projection for me is about six wins. Like I think there's a lot of favorable matchups for them. I look at the Cardinals as like a very easy win because I think the Cardinals are going to be the worst team in football this year. I don't want to say an easy win because no win in the NFL is easy, but I don't know. The Cardinals are sitting Kyler Murray all year. All year. Like that roster is putrid. So I, I could definitely see that being one of those easy wins, you know, the division, I think, is going to be a very competitive this year. I think they could easily go three and three or even four and two in the division if things break their way, although you never know um, because we don't know how good these teams are going to be as well, especially the Packers and the Vikings are huge question marks for me in regards to what to expect out of them. And, you know, there's always going to be a couple games here and there where, you know, they win one or two where you don't expect them to. And there's going to be games where, they lose one or two where you don't expect. So I don't think this is a team that is ready to go from first to first, a worst to first, I should say. Like there are still some huge areas of weakness on this team. The defensive line is is still one of the worst in the NFL. I know they added some guys this offseason, and we're going to get some of those guys in a bit here, but it's, it's still not a great unit on paper, whether they are able to um, make up for that in other ways. Like maybe they can – you know, especially from a pass rush standpoint, like if their coverage unit is really like tightened up and sound, like it, it could make up for the fact that their pass rush is going to probably going to be one of the worst units in the NFL. And like they've upgraded the offensive line, but like Braxton Jones in year two, is he going to take the next, next step as a pass protector at left tackle? You know, you don't know, you know, Darnell Wright, you hope that he's a guy who can come in and, and be a impact starter right away. But tackles, sometimes it takes these guys a couple of years to really develop and, find their way in the NFL and, and Darnell Wright may be that guy who it may take him a couple of years to kind of get used to the NFL game. So offensive line, while you feel like you've upgraded there, it's still a little bit of question mark, whether, you know, you're getting that day one impact right away in terms of improvements. And then you look at the weapons, they've added a lot of talent at wide receiver and uh, at tight end and running back this off season. Uh, can Justin Fields and DJ Moore get on the same page early on? If they can, I think it's going to really impact their season. So, like I said, like I think if things bounce the wrong way for them, or you know, God forbid, Justin Fields has an injury at some point in the season, yeah, six wins is probably one of those the low end for me. But I can also see this team winning as many as ten or eleven games this season, just based off of the way that the uh, the, the schedule plays out here. So, there's a wide range of outcomes here. If Justin Fields can prove to be that guy, and he takes a, and he takes a huge step forward this year, it's more likely, I think, than not than that they're going to be winning 10 games or 11 games here because this is not a great schedule in terms of um, teams that they're playing, or I should say it's not a tough schedule on paper in terms of the teams that they're playing. Um, They have the rest factor for a lot of these games that we talked about earlier. Um, And, you know, Thursday night games, they have two of them. And those Thursday night games always end up being weird games that are kind of fluky in the end. So you never know what will happen on those. So if Justin Fields is that dude, like, we could see a huge step forward for this team. If he's not, or if it takes them a little bit, and we still see some inconsistency here and there, um, you know, they're probably going to be in the middle of the pack there. So it's all going to depend on that. And I, I, I like the point you make about the coaching staff too, though, because I think this is going to be a telling 
year for the coaching staff, especially for Luke Getzey, because I know that Matt Eberflus can coach a defense. Like he's proven that all throughout his career that he knows what he's doing in terms of coaching defense and getting the most out of the guys on that side of the ball. And I thought for the most part, this coaching staff got the most out of those guys until like late in the year where the talent was so deficient that there's just nothing you could do um, to scheme around that. But offensively, what is Luke Getzey going to do in year two with upgraded weapons, hopefully an upgraded offensive line. You have your quarterback in year two, of the system, like if this offense cannot be more consistent and they had a good stretch in the middle of the year, but it kind of fizzled out near the end and was pretty bad at the beginning. Um, if this offense cannot take a step forward this year with the upgraded weapon they have around Justin Fields, it's going to be, you know, I, I'm going to, I've already have some questions about Luke Getzey. I'm going to have, more questions about Luke Getzey to say the least, if that's not the case. So it, it's going to depend on how things work out. I think Justin Fields is the key there. If he, if he's a guy that takes a step forward, um, the bears may be in business here this year, but I'm not going to say that they're going to be going worse to first. I think the Lions are clearly a better team at this point. I think they're a better team than the Packers um, because I just, I don't know what to expect out of Jordan love. And then the Minnesota Vikings, like I think the bears probably have a, have a shot to be better than this year, but um, you know, they're a weird team too, where they have some talent at some key spots, especially on offense, where I think they can be competitive in the wild card hunt as well. But if the Bears are in the wild card in the wild card hunt, I'll be pretty happy with the season overall because that'll be a huge jump forward based off of where they were last year. Um, but if they are gonna take a step forward this year, it's it's not gonna just be Justin Fields, like this rookie class is gonna have to contribute as well because they, they did not while they had a lot of cap space and they added some guys, they weren't as aggressive in free agency as I feel like a lot of Bears fans thought they were going to, uh, especially going into the offseason. And they still could add some names, some veterans here and there. But, you know, they're going to be playing these young guys quite a bit this year from this rookie class. So uh, before we get into setting expectations for all these guys, I have to ask you say, because you say wasn't on the episode uh, where I basically broke down this class and went over my thoughts on this and kind of graded the class as a whole. So you say, before we get to rookie class expectations, what were your, what is your general thoughts on the draft class? And I, I won't say like grade the picks, but like, what are your thoughts on each pick from a general standpoint in terms of like, do you like the pick or don't like the pick? I thought this was a Bears draft class where there was some stuff to love and some stuff to absolutely positively hate. Now, you look at trading from ninth down to 10th overall one spot and getting the 2024 fourth-round pick, you can sit there and you can bash Ryan Poles for trading down just one spot. But, I mean, if we're going to be honest, listen, Howie Roseman's a guy who – Again, as a general manager, he knows who he's negotiating with. He knows how to play his cards right, and he knows assistant general manager Ian Cunningham better than anybody. So while the Bears did their homework extensively on Jalen Carter going to the Georgia Pro Day, coming in and bringing him into House Hall for a top 30 visit, Jalen Carter never really in serious consideration. You always knew it was going to be offensive or defensive line for the Bears. The Bears went with... Darnell Wright, who, again, a lot of people believe has all pro caliber potential. Now, the one thing that kind of irks me regarding the Darnell Wright selection is that he is not a left tackle by any means for this team at the next level. He's going to play right tackle, which, again, is fine. But I've always been of the opinion, if you're going to pick that high, then you should go ahead and select a left tackle. Because, again, we don't know what Braxton Jones is going to look like going into year two. For all we know, I mean, 
last off or last season, if that's the best that we saw of Braxton Jones, then time to start scouting some offensive tackles for the 2024 class because that class is absolutely loaded. Getting in day two, you had Gravon Dexter, DT from Florida, Tyreek Stevenson, cornerback from Miami, and Zach Pickens, defensive tackle from South Carolina. I mean, those are three really solid selections. Tyreek Stevenson, no doubt in my mind, should start over Kendall Vildor. I think the Bears are going to go ahead and keep Kyler Gordon in the slot, which, again, I have questions about that too, because if you're going to take a second round pick and spend it on a cornerback, especially in what was an incredibly deep cornerback class. I mean, does it necessarily make sense to draft a guy that high and basically play him in the slot? But getting back to Tyreek Stevenson, I mean, he's going to be one of my personal favorites from this draft class to monitor. With Pickens and Dexter, what you're basically looking at is guys who are going to be parts of rotations that going into 2024 could possibly start. So the ceiling for those two right there is at worst just career rotational guys or one of the two ends up starting. My personal favorites, and it's just because I love skill position players, I love Roshan Johnson and Tyler Scott too now. Roshan Johnson's a player running back from Texas. He has so much potential. It's through the roof. He's the electric dynamic playmaker. That's going to be the game run changing kind of home run hitter that the Bears lacked with David Montgomery. With Tyler Scott, you're getting a guy who is not going to see a lot of reps early on. But if I'm being fully honest, as raw of a player as Tyler Scott is, there's so much potential there that we could be in late October, early November and be talking about Tyler Scott as wide receiver for compared to a guy like Valus Jones Jr. or Equinemius St. Brown. Noah Smith, Terrell, or Noah Sewell, Terrell Smith. I mean, those are both just depth guys there. I understand Noah Sewell's a freakish athlete, but hey, we'll see what comes of it. And then Travis Bell, Kendall Williamson, two seventh round picks. I mean, that's just a situation that you're looking at and saying, yeah, you have some depth there. We will kind of see what happens. Now, Kendall Williamson, I'm intrigued by because he is going to replace DeAndre Houston Carson. He can kind of be the veteran in the locker room that kind of holds things together. This is assuming years down the line, and he can play cornerback and safety. So there's a lot of versatility like here with this draft class, a lot of youth and upside too. It's just going to come down to how quickly can the coaching staff develop these guys? Because if we're being fully honest, I mean, Darnell Wright and Roshan Johnson should be the two biggest contributors in year one for this team. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Yeah, I think the two guys you said um, that should be starting day one, they, I, I think it's reasonable to expect them to be starters. And I don't know if like if there will be great starters from day one because you, you don't want to put too too high of expectations on these guys too early. But Darnell Wright and Tyree Stevenson should absolutely be stars on day one, just based off of how the depth chart works out. Like the Bears basically neglected right tackle in free agency, did not sign even a stopgap on a one year deal. Um, 
just to get a veteran presence in there to make sure they had that spot locked down. Like they basically, I, I wouldn't say they pigeonholed themselves into taking a tackle early um, in this draft, but you know, by selecting Darnell Wright, um, you know, clearly they were comfortable taking or not comfortable with some of the off-field stuff for Jalen Carter, which I can't, I can't fault them with because they're the ones doing more due diligence than me um, on the subject. So they felt more comfortable with Darnell Wright. Um, and I, I mentioned this in the last podcast episode, but you know, trading out from number one and getting your number one wide receiver and a franchise potentially uh, tackle for you. I mean, that's pretty good business in my opinion by Ryan Pohl. So I can't be mad at it whatsoever. Plus the additional draft picks they got out of that. So, you know, Darnell Wright, I expect him to start right away. Um, I think it's, a given given where the bears roster is at right now, like the only other right tackle on the roster that could start is Larry Borum or Alex Leatherwood and Larry Borum. We know what he is. He's not a long-term star in the NFL, though. I think he's fine as like a swing tackle, but Alex Leatherwood, I want no business, no business. He has no business being on a football field for the bears this season. Like I do not want to see him on a football field again because he's just going to get Justin Fields killed. So I don't want to see that. So uh, Darnell Wright, he's going to step in and be the starter at right tackle right away. And whether he's good or not, you know, it depends. Like tackles, like I said before, it takes a while for these guys to truly like come into their own as players. So he's going to have his, have his ups and downs, I think for sure, as a player. And, you know, his calling card is pass protection, but I'm just going to say it like guys, like he's going to go up against – these freaky edge rushers this year that he probably hasn't seen before. Like he went against a lot of good edge rushers in the sec, but the NFL is a whole different animal guys. So um, expect Darren Wright to have his ups and downs in pass protection this year. It's only fair to give him some leeway there, I think, but he should be a guy that starts right away. I think and Tyreek Stevenson, um, I actually compared him a lot to Jalen Johnson as a prospect uh, coming out of college. And, He's going to be a guy who steps in right away as an outside corner. They don't have another outside corner um, opposite of Jalen Johnson that you feel comfortable in, like Kendall Vilder, like you said. Um, Kendall Vilder, he can play on the outside, but he's more of a depth piece. He's more of a nickel guy, in my opinion, because of his size. Um, you know, they drafted Terrell Smith, who I expect to be another outside cornerback on this roster, but I'll get to him in a bit. But yeah, Tyreek Stevenson, he should step in right away and be that outside cornerback. Um, opposite of Jalen Johnson because he has the size, he has the length, he has the physicality. Um, I, I think that should be a given. And, you know, for cornerbacks, they they usually struggle year one, too. So you have to deal with the ups and downs with these guys. It's just the way it goes. But you look at the other day two picks for them, like Jervon Dexter um, and Zach Pickens, you know, two guys that, you know, Dexter, especially, I think he's a project. Um, and Pickens, they're both, both these guys are projects as players. So, I don't expect them to be starters right away. I expect them to be rotational pieces. Um, Cause you look at some of the veterans they signed in free agency, like Justin Jones, he's still on the roster. I expect him to be their starting three tech this year. And they signed, um, yeah, I wish name Andrew Billings from the Las Vegas Raiders, who is a solid nose tackle run defending guy. So they have veterans there who can fill the starting roles right now while those two develop. But you know, Dexter, he has to work on his pad level. He has to work on his, his consistency. He has to put it all together as a pass rusher where he's very raw there. Like he has a ways to go to before I think he's ready to be a starter at the next level. So you got to give him some time there and just have him rotate as that one tech, which I think is his best fit at the next level. He's not a three tech in my opinion. And then Pickens, he's a guy who 
he's got a lot of work to do in terms of like I, I he's really struggled in run defense in college, his pass rush. While he has a lot of exciting flashes, it's not consistent. So um, again, I don't expect both these guys to one. I don't expect both these guys to hit, but also like, I think it's fair to expect these guys to not have great year ones and, you know, probably not play prominent roles in year ones either. And then I look at day three, like um, some like Noah Sewell. I think he's a special teams guy on day one. I don't see him as being a starter because they have three starting caliber players already in the roster. So he's depth. He's special teams. Um, have him use his size and speed on, on special teams to be an impact guy there. I think it's more than fair. Terrell Smith, he's kind of like a developmental corner. I, I think he's a backup on the outside. I think that's more than fair. And then Tyler Scott, you know, I don't see him being a starter right away because they have some guys ahead of him on the depth chart, like DJ Moore, Darnell Mooney, Chase Claypool. Like all three of those guys are going to be solidified as starters this year. If he can be like a wide receiver four or five and catch a couple of deep balls this year from Justin Fields and make a couple of splash plays, I think that would be a successful rookie season for him. And I don't expect him to be like a starter long-term. Like that's not where I'm expecting him to be, but if he can be that guy, I wouldn't be surprised either. But year one, like, situational deep threat um, coming for a couple big plays here and there. I think that's, that's probably the best you could expect out of the guy like that in the fourth round, but for their other fourth round pick Roshan Johnson, like to me, he's the best running back in the roster right now. And I wouldn't be surprised if he started week one for them because he's like, he didn't get a ton of opportunities in college because he's playing behind Bishon Robinson, who's the best running back prospect in this draft. But when Johnson was on the field, like the guy, is productive. He breaks a lot of tackles. He's a solid receiver on the backfield. He's a great pass protector. So he's going to have three down value right away. And, and I know they're probably going to try to do this rotation um, in the running back room. They signed Deontay Foreman. They have Khalil Herbert. They signed Travis Homer. So he's probably not going to be like a lead back right away, but I think to have him be a part of the rotation and a big part of the rotation I think it's a reasonable expectation for Roshan Johnson because I think he's probably their best back right now. Uh, if we're just looking at this, at this from a talent standpoint. And then their two seventh round picks, like if both of them can make the practice squad, I think it's a win because seventh round picks, you don't expect anything out of those guys. So if they're on the practice squad all year and they're with the team next year, that's good. That's good for me because, um, anything more. And that's a very, and that's a positive pick for you, in my opinion. So, so those are our thoughts on expectations for this rookie class. Any additional thoughts here on this rookie class in general, you say, because I think there's a lot to talk about, but uh, we're starting to get late on time here. So um, any additional thoughts on this class as a whole before we kind of wrap it up here? Well, I mean, the question of how many of these guys can actually be legitimate building blocks for you, this team is a question that, all 32 teams have to answer. Now, when we examine the Bears rookie class, it's incredibly unique in the sense that Darnell Wright has to, has to, has to pan out. Okay. There's no way you can justify taking a player that high and that player doesn't pan out. It's also, he is Ryan Poles and Matty Rufus's first ever first round pick with the franchise. So there's a lot of weight riding on their shoulders to hopefully get this thing figured out. And let's just be honest. I mean, the Bears did more homework on Darnell Wright with how they conducted the workout on the Tennessee campus than perhaps any other team. So the Bears are really banking on Darnell Wright's potential here. Now, 
looking at Roshan Johnson, just from a roster building perspective, the entire running back room is so unique because Dante Foreman was never really a guy who was a lead back. Again, he ended up here in Chicago. He'll be more of a red zone guy. Khalil Herbert and Travis Homer provide some value on special teams. Khalil Herbert being a guy who can have, you know, eight to 10 carries a game. Roshan Johnson, though, is. The Bears had a really solid running game last year, but if we're going to be honest, I mean, how much of that was because Justin Fields was running for his life and just inflating the rushing numbers every single week from a strictly running back room? I mean, the tandem of Montgomery, Khalil Herbert was good last year, but with Roshan Johnson, I mean, this running back room has a chance to once again be the best in the NFL. And look, the Bears have not had the explosive dynamic running back in the backfield since Matt Forte, right? The guy that is a consistent home run hitter, a guy that defensive coordinators have to game plan for a guy that can beat you as a receiver can also go ahead and just absolutely blow the doors off as a runner. That's Roshan Johnson. Roshan Johnson paired with Justin Fields is going to be one of the most interesting combinations to watch, which, by the way, part of adding such a dynamic running back like that is how do you go about adjusting the game plan for your quarterback? So it's going to be up to Luke Getze to get this figured out. Just looking at the additions the Bears have made on offense and defense in terms of the rookie class, it's very clear we're going to once again see a run first offense. And then we're going to see a defense that's predicated on stopping the run first instead of stopping the pass first. Cause the bears right now with the additions of guys like Dexter and Pickens on the D line, they're banking on stopping the run so that the secondary takes care of itself. Yeah. I like the point you make about uh guess he having to figure out, you know, how to deal with not only this running back rotation, but, um, you know, all the, how to incorporate all these new pieces on offense in general because it's a good problem to have. You rather have too many weapons at your disposal than not enough, which we've seen for the Bears the last few years that they've not had enough weapons, and that has really hurt their passing game um, in general. So having as many of these guys as possible to go to, I think it's a good thing for this Bears offense, and you hope that it's something that they can build off of going into not only this year but into the future as well. And I hope that's something that they continue to – emphasize in the draft as well just keep continue to add weapons to this offense because you need them you need them for your your young quarterback you need them just to have to keep pace with some of these other teams in the nfl that are scoring a ton of points every single week like it is important to have an embarrassment of riches i think on that on that side of the ball when it comes to weaponry but it, it's going to be an exciting season for the bears and it's going to be exciting to watch how this rookie class unfolds you know we talked a lot about these guys and i'm really just i'm just i just can't wait to see these guys on the field and, and see you know where i was right where i'm wrong and um hopefully all these guys work out but like you said you know it's probably going to be a fact that not all these draft picks are going to work out like i'm, I'm pretty sure that like half of these guys are probably not going to be um if they're not finishing the rookie contract um they're not going to be with the bears after their rookie contract so you know, that's just the way the draft works. We're all, we can be optimistic about all these guys, but at the end of the day, like um, it's reality in the NFL where most of these guys are not going to work out. So you just have to keep that in mind and keep, try to keep your expectations kind of uh, suppressed a little bit from that aspect of things. But if the bears can find three or four starters from this group, 
I think that'll be an, a very successful draft class for Ryan Poles. And another good way to stack draft classes after finding some guys in last year's draft, despite not having a ton of draft capital to work with either. So um, with that said, I think that's going to wrap it up for us today here at Picks for Polls. Uh, make sure to give us a like and rate and subscribe on all of our podcasting platforms here on the Blue Wire, on Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts and find us here on the Bear Report and Picks for Polls. Also make sure to follow us on social media as well at Pistol Polls on Twitter. Uh, you said, where can our listeners find you on social media and find your work? Yeah, guys, you can follow me on social media. That is Twitter, Inst- Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, TikTok, and Instagram at Usaid Cole Show. I've got Bears content on all the platforms. Check out my work on the Bear Report with June right around the corner. Going to be doing a uh, breakout Bears series and then just keep the open discussion articles going as well. Yeah, absolutely. As for me, you can find my work on the Bear Report as well. Hoping to get uh, early 2024 mock draft for the entire first round in the NFL. I did a 2024 mock draft uh, for the Bears that you can check out in the Bear Report. But if you're looking for an analysis for every single team in the NFL, make sure to check that out, uh, which I'm hoping to have done within the next week or so. Um, and then for social media, you can find me on Twitter at AJFreeman25. Give me a follow on there um, to get all my takes on uh, the Bears and the draft as well. And with that said, that's going to do it for us here at Pitcher Polls today. Uh, for all you Bears fans out there, I hope you have a great and safe weekend and bear down.